On this episode of the This Is Believe One podcast, I am joined by Nick Faber, who is from uh, Lions Brawl, which is part of the Brawl Network. How, how are you doing today? I'm great, man. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Much appreciated. Uh, happy to talk all Detroit and all Cleveland. We're right next to each other, so, you know. Yeah, I mean, the, the two cities aren't uh, that terribly far apart, and, you know, I, I spent quite a bit of time growing up in the area, so I feel like I have some knowledge, but I feel that you have, uh, you know, a little bit more in-depth knowledge about, you know, the Lions and how things operate, you know, since you are a, a fan of the team and you are there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I like to I like to think, I mean, I, every Sunday it's it's do or die, you know, and, and most of the times it's die, but it's do or die with the Lions, and I've been living that, living that way since I was about four years old, you know, be, being a Lions fan, so probably same as a Browns fan, you're not really, you're not really... You don't really choose it. You're just born into it. You know what I mean? So uh, it's it's. I got some familiarity with them. That's for darn sure. And, and more often than not, the season's over by the second week of October. Um, oh, what a fun couple of weeks <laughs> in September it was, wasn't it? Oh, of course. And when it comes <laughs> crashing and burning, you are just left wondering why. And everyone else said, yep, we expected that to happen. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so you know looking at the the lions they're always a it's an interesting organization because for the most part through their ownership they're they're a loyal group and sometimes that's not the best characteristic to have if the people you're being loyal to are not necessarily performing well they they had matt millen for the longest time uh they had jim schwartz and you know jim caldwell which i think people maybe grew a little uh, tired of towards the end of his tenure, but, you know, when they hired Matt Patricia, they seemed like they were trying to go in a direction, you know, Bob Quinn, Matt Patricia, but it doesn't seem like this particular regime is going to get the loyalty and time that some of the other groups have gotten. I I don't know. I mean, really, like, if you break it down, the, the loyal loyalness was early 2000s, like you had mentioned, Matt Millen, um, it was with William Clay Ford and, you know, rest in peace. Once he passed away and Martha Ford kind of took over the team, that, that kind of went down. It, that, like she went more for let's get Bob Quinn in here. We're going to be loyal to Bob Quinn and we're going to trust what he does. He's going to be loyal to his people, Matt Patricia. Matt Patricia is going to be loyal to his people, Trey Flowers, Jamie Collins, so on and so forth, every other Patriot we brought in. And so it's, it, it kind of sums down. But but in the for the fact of like keeping someone around maybe a little too long, we just saw the Darius Slay. We just saw what happened throughout this offseason, and I know that's more of the players and not the, the coaching or the front office regime, but uh, it almost seems that Martha Ford's more in like a win-now mode than William Clay was towards the latter end of his career, so or his his life, excuse me. Um, I, I, I think that we believe in Bob Quinn. We believe in the New England and the Patriot way. Um, I, I think we want to do everything we can this year to resemble what the Niners did. The Niners dealt with a quarterback injury the second year into the, the the new coach Kyle Shanahan's regime. That's what happened with Matt Patricia. Now, sure, it was wasn't week three; it was week eight. But still, Matt, Matthew Stafford goes down. The team tanks, and and we get the the third pick. I I think this is it, though. I don't think the loyalty is going to last past this. Now, if we get a playoff win, you can bet your bottom dollar both these guys are coming right back easily. Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia, I speak of, but. If we if we don't get a playoff if we don't get to the playoffs I don't think either of these guys are back I think this is they're on the hot seat right now um, I don't think the loyalty is going to shine through for them but I think we're getting one more chance because we don't want to continuously be that Detroit Lions carousel we don't we don't want to be the the Browns that are having all these like coaches coming through and that's what we were doing and that's what both teams are doing and and Freddie Kitchens was supposed to be the man and. And, and now it's another year in and like we're at this point, it's kind of like you almost want to stay just a little bit loyal and, and give it the three years, give it the three step program. in my opinion. Now, uh, you mentioned Freddie Kitchens. That was a disaster. But uh, uh, by the way, quick little Freddie Kitchens story. I was at the Senior Bowl two years ago while the Freddie Kitchens and the Cleveland Browns were there coaching. He is the man. He was the man. He walks into a bar. We took some shots together. We bullshit <laughs> for a little bit. He's a Jameson guy. Um, I I loved every minute of it. I I couldn't. I wished. I wished a sixteen and zero season for him. I truly, truly did. I'm, I I I wish they would have gave him a second year. I know it was a disaster, but and I know you're probably like, no, get him out of here. But I'm just telling you, the dude himself, the person, deserves 
a lifetime of chances. He's such a good guy. So now I'll say Freddie Kitchens, the person, seems like a fantastic dude. Just, Freddie, he's that he's that bro. He's that guy you're gonna crack a beer with, go fishing with, and, and just bullshit all day long. You know, all night long. Good, fun guy. He's a fun guy, but unfortunately, that did not translate to uh, the coaching and his decisions. It, and it, it, there was lots of of things that Freddie Kitchens, the coach. Uh, was not necessarily that great, but Freddie Kitchens, the person, just, seemed awesome. Wouldn't have it just been better to get a new coach and let him stay at that coordinator? It looked like everything was running just smooth with him at coordinator. Had you got someone in there to come kind of take care of the defense, I feel like that team could have been something last year. But I'm a huge believer, and when you have hype, it's never your year. It's of never your year when you have hype. The Niners had no hype. The Eagles had no hype. You know, like even the Patriots toward the end of their career were getting no hype. They are getting hated on, like – you you can't have hype going in the NFL, and that's why like I love right now the Browns, the Lions, no hype on either team. I think both teams will be a breakout breakout teams this year. And uh, I'll explain the the Freddie Kitchens hire, and I know you're not the first person to say what you said about that, and you're not gonna be the last person. And the the idea was is that if they were to hire someone else and have Freddie Kitchens be the offensive coordinator, and the offense clicks again like it did throughout that last eight games. Someone's going to go hire Freddie Kitchens to be their head coach. So the thought process was skip that, just hire Freddie Kitchens then. Unfortunately, it didn't work. I love the idea, though. You got to be, you always got to, it's chess. Football's always been chess. On game time or yearly, you know, or, or decadely, like it's all, it's all a chess game. It's always a chess game. Uh, battling in, in contract talks is all a chess game. And even picking out coaches is a chess game. And I like how they tried to, take the extra step and i appreciate their their you know the i appreciate what they did it just didn't work out yeah unfortunately that happens a lot uh (laughs) going back to the lions were you in favor of the matt patricia hire and how do you stand uh with him currently uh so we'll go back what three years now is it the three main coaches that were out there were mike vrabel matt patricia pat Shermer. Uh, Shermer to the Giants, Vrabel to the Titans, Patricia to the Lions. I, I was a huge advocate for Vrabel. Um, I I didn't really care for Patricia because I didn't really care for Patricia. Like as at the time from the Patriots, like I just I didn't I didn't care for him. I didn't like his his style. I didn't want the big beard. The I didn't want that. I wanted Mike Vrabel, the the fun. Get in your face. He'll he'll threaten to you know cut off a part of his body to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> like like that's the kind of mentality I would have wanted, especially going from Jim Caldwell. We 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 went from that kind of coach in Jim Schwartz to a very you know me not mediocre with a monotone coach uh, in Jim Caldwell. I kind of wanted to to flip the script again and go with Mike Vrabel. We went with Matt Patricia. I, Matt Patricia was still okay in my book. Um, number two of the coaches, I wanted him more than I wanted Pat Shermer. Um, I was very happy like that we got Patricia. I wasn't too happy that we passed on Vrabel, but I was happy with Patricia. Uh, now we're now we're we're let's fast forward and we're now going into the 2020 season. I have a lot of mixed feelings on Matt Patricia. As as a as a biased Lions fan. Um, someone who believes every year this is our year. I, I like to believe that he is, though on paper and on television, he doesn't look like he's the best coach. He, it's all been setting up for this. It's like it's like the Phantom Menace and the Attack of the Clones were god awful, but once you got to Revenge of the Sith, you were like, well, damn, that was actually a pretty good movie. You know, like that was actually that that made the trilogy okay. I don't know if you're a Star Wars fan, but I love Star uh, yes. Wars. Okay, uh, so so it, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that's what's going on. I'm hoping we got through The Phantom Menace. Somehow we survived through the worst movie ever, Attack of the Clones. And now we have this Revenge of the Sith in our thing. It's going to be some bad acting. It's not going to be the greatest Star Wars movie. It's not going to be the best movie of all time. We're gonna not go. We're not gonna go twelve and four. But I'm hoping that we can get a ten and six. I hope Aaron Rodgers is frustrated with the Jordan Love draft. The no. The no reason to put any wide receivers on uh, outside of him other than Devontae Adams, and I hope he gets frustrated. And I hope the Packers go eight and eight, leaving <laughs> the Vikings um, it's, as the only team that really have to worry about because the Bears we all know are about to be four and twelve. So if we can come away with ten and six in our first divisional win, I'll be happy, and I'll be happy with Patricia because that means our defense did all right. 
we bought into the we bought into it. I think our offense is going to be almost elite, top top eight offense in the league this year. I don't see any reason why not. The, the only big big liability is that Matt Stafford has been two years now with an injured back that doesn't just go away. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how he does. But he says he's healthy. Just today on the radio, he said that he was ready to play tomorrow if they had a game. Um, to to cycle this all around and ultimately for Matt Patricia. I, I think that this is the year that he can prove himself, and I have hope, I have faith, and I think that the idea is there. I think it all can work out where he can be a co- good coach. But but before I finish this, if I had to put a hundred bucks down right now, I just don't think his defense is what it takes to to be a good defense in the NFL. You can't just rush three players and and drop eight. Dak Prescott last year said that he had time to go through his possessions uh, three different times. Like he had seven seconds in the pocket to throw the ball. Like that's just that you just you're not going to win. Kyler Murray, the first game of the year, we had blitzed him quite a bit in the first three quarters. We laid off and to prevent and he ended up tying the game and we tied instead of winning when we had a 17 point lead. So there's a lot of things. I, I don't think his defense works, but now it's now you finally have. All the actors in place. You have everything you want to make the best movie of all time. It's just, is he going to be J.J. Abrams or is he going to be Ryan Johnson? Damn, who who directed The Last Jedi? I can't remember. Ryan Johnson, I think it is. I think that's right. I don't know. Anyways, I tried to get too many Star Wars references in there. (laughs) I could just Google it real quick. Uh, I'm going to go, if I had 100 bucks on this, I'm saying Ryan Johnson, I think is his name, but I can't remember. You are correct. All right. All right. So that's what I'm saying. Let's let's hope he has the actors. Let's hope he makes a good movie, not a bad movie. I hope the Lions can go ten and six with winning a division. Is my hope. So let me give you uh, some uh, thoughts I have about you know the the way that the Lions are are, are operating, and um, I I feel I have a, a fairly decent grasp uh, of how because. Let's let's start this way. They're trying to adopt the Patriots model. We can all agree at that. Some 100%. form of that. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel I have a, a decent enough grasp on the way the Patriots like to do things and the way that at first it seemed like that they were heading down that particular path. Um, they got Bob Quinn. They hired Matt Patricia. Um, the first offseason, they really didn't spend a lot in free agency if you looked at what they did. It was very minor moves, nothing crazy. There was there was a lot of sort of cultivating the group that they had, bringing in young players, trying to duplicate the system that the Patriots have, where they don't spend in free agency, but they just keep bringing in their own players and create some sort of you know culture and you know and guys coming in playing out their contracts, getting you those compensatory picks, which is sort of generating it's. I guess uh, an economy is not the right word, but it just generates draft picks that, that you just continue to use and keep getting more and more players as time goes on. But then they didn't do that great the first year. Then it started to seem like they did some panic signings where they went out and got Trey Flowers. And they're, they're spending lots of money on, on positions that in players and in, in, in ways that the Patriots normally don't do. It, it seems like once it, it didn't work, you saw them start to veer away from that model. And the second offseason, this past one, they did it even more so. And it's just, I don't know if it's going to work. But I don't know if it's necessarily their fault. Because this is a, a program, this is a system that requires younger guys for it to work and to buy in. And what Matt Patricia inherited was a team with a lot of veterans on it. And a lot of times veterans are set in their ways and they don't want to adapt to something new. I remember there being a big stink about the Lions wanting to practice outside in November or whatever it was a couple years ago. But when someone doesn't know what they're, you know, someone runs into some sort of adversity, they fall back to what they're comfortable on, what their comfort zone. Patricia's comfort zone is practicing outside because that's what they do in New England. So you, you see some pushback of sorts that people are just not buying into what they're doing, and it's mostly because it was a team full of veterans. Yeah, and 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 the end result of that is Quandre Diggs, gone. Darius Slay, gone. All these players who didn't want to buy into the Matt Patricia and the Patriot way, gone. And, and now you have 
a team full of expatriates, Danny Shelton, Jamie Collins, Justin Coleman, Trey Flowers, and the list goes on and on. Darren Harmon. Like, it, it literally goes on and on. And, and, and now you have these guys that are, are have been in this position before. Instead of being in the Detroit, maybe lax, sedated, like, uh, locker room, now, now you're in more of, like, a... a I don't know a tighter a tighter locker room. It, it it's all going to depend on how well Jamie Collins comes in and takes grasp leadership of this defense. It's going to be interesting to see how Jamie Collins, Jared Davis, and Joe uh, and Tavai. I can't remember his first name right now. Drawing a huge blank. Tavai. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you. Johnny Tavai all work together. Plus, now you have the addition of Julian Aquora. Like it is, it's gonna be so much fun to see how all these linebacker and edge rushers end up playing. Trey Flowers and throwing out there, like all these edge and linebackers are gonna be so much fun to see. All this is gonna come down to if they, if they, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Like there's no way to predict this. Everyone looking at like, yeah, they they spent big with Trey Flowers, Justin Coleman two years ago. This year they didn't spend too big. I mean, they spent a good amount on on Trufant. Obviously, the big signing was Big V from Philadelphia, which, in my opinion, was a very bad signing. But mm-hmm. these guys that they're signing aren't is, is still kind of the Patriot way in the fact that, in the sense that you're not going out and signing running backs or wide receivers. They didn't go after Todd Gurley or Devontae Freeman or or any of these guys. They haven't been trying to. Now they drafted one early, which doesn't seem like a Patriot thing outside of Sony Michelle a few years ago. Um, but the, the the big signings they are doing. Might not be so much of a panic sign, though I can see where like everyone would think that like, I get what you're saying 100%. It's basically two different ways. It's either the way you had mentioned or it was it was all for a reason. Like it was all part of the puzzle. And once you get these big names who know how to play a Matt Patricia's defense that can solidify themselves. Trey Flowers in the back eight games of the year last year was very, very good. Would have been even better probably all year if he didn't have the the idea of just the referees screwing the Lions out of a game on national TV against the Green Bay Packers with two phantom face mask calls, hands to the face calls, I, he probably would have been great all year. I, I, I think they, I think that they have implemented the, the puzzle pieces. They're, it's all going together, and, and now we just we just have to sit back and wait. And, and if it and if it blows up in our faces, I'll come back on a year from now and be like, yeah. No, that were, they were panic signings. Um, probably shouldn't have did that. Probably shouldn't have did the whole Patriot way. But if we go ten and six, then then we know that that wasn't panic signings. Those were those were chess moves. Those were investments. Those were ideas on how to how to put everything together and get the right leadership that you want for your defense. Now the the signings that they made, I think that they went about it the the right way with the guys that they targeted. They targeted guys that have not only played. Uh, Matt Patricia's defense. They played well in Matt Patricia's well. defense, and I think Absolutely. that's definitely going to help. You know, maybe get some of the other guys on the defense to buy in into the whole system that they got going on there. So maybe you see someone like Jared Davis improve, where he's notably had some issues pretty much all around. Um, maybe you see some of the other players, you know, and start you know buying into the system and that the way they do things and you know how it's not necessarily going to be just this one particular game plan that they're going to be able to apply to multiple opponents it's going to be something that's specifically tailored week to week versus whoever they're playing um and you know with the uh, the draft pick of of Jeff Akuda at 3 that's i think that's going to be a, a good um a good group of players to be around is guys that have been part of a system that relies on being part of the, a group as a whole, not necessarily just an individual performer. And 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 to add on the fact with Okuda, the Lions went out and drafted two other Ohio State players. They they went and they targeted Ohio State. They scouted Ohio State heavily. Matt Patricia was talking to um, I cannot remember the name of the head coach at Ohio State right now. Ryan Day. Thank you. Uh, talking to him heavily, like they invested in Ohio State. They want, they got. Um, I'm going to draw two blanks here, but I believe Jonah Jackson, the guard from Ohio State, correct, and the Jason Cornley, the defense, some defense alignment from Ohio State with our last pick, and I can't remember who it is off the top of my head. But anyways, the point of the the point of it being, um, we we added 
not only Jeff Okuda, but three different players from Ohio State who who it just seems like fits Matt Patricia's scheme, fits the type of player that he wants. Because he did so much scouting there, you know that these are the guys that he targeted, he wanted no matter what. Jonah Jackson was one of the best guards. Uh, let up what? I believe it was one sack in the last two years. Like, unbelievable. So I'm, I'm, I'm very happy with – or maybe it was just last year, but regardless. Um, I'm very happy with, with the draft. I don't know how I got into the draft, but somehow you brought up Jeff Okuda, and I just went off about the draft. Oh, that's fine. Um, I'm happy about Jeff Okuda too, though. I am happy about Jeff Okuda. Uh, the, the player that they took in the seventh round was Deshaun Cornell. I always find it interesting when the Lions draft Ohio State players because I, I know lots of Lions fans and they always happen to be fans of uh, University of Michigan so it's always fairly entertaining from afar to watch them suddenly have to cheer for players they despised, uh, I don't know, like not even seven months ago. <laughs> it's always kind of see fun to see a little mental pretzel that happens. It, it definitely it definitely goes both ways too, and it's hilarious. I think, like to be honest, I'm a Michigan State fan. Okay. So to me, I, I loathe Michigan. I, I have I have I want and have nothing to do with the University of Michigan. To me, Ohio State is just like I don't know. It's almost like the Green Bay Packers or the Detroit Lions. Like mm-hmm. yeah, they're always going to be really really good and. When we beat them, it's it's a riot. We will burn a couch or two. It'll be fun in Michigan State, but uh, you know, from for seven of the ten times, Ohio State's probably just going to defeat us, and that's you know, we move on with our lives. And we have, but it's Michigan. If once Michigan beats us, it's like ah, damn, like I, whew, I, I load them. But I found it funny too how Donovan Peoples Jones goes to the Browns, and and I don't, I just saw a tweet about it, but some guy in Cleveland flipped out about it, and I was just like, man, you care so much about this Ohio State Michigan rivalry. That the 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 which I think Donovan Peoples Jones, who almost set who set records at the combine in his vertical and his long jump, like you like I think he was a phenomenal find for Cleveland. I think he's going to be great. I don't. I mean, and they, plus they brought back Higgins. Like they have a great wide receiving core. Um, but I just found it hilarious that this guy it was so baffled about that. Like I I can't believe that. That happens all of the time. It goes both ways for you know Browns fans yeah. or Buckeye fans and. Uh, you know, Lions fans who are uh, Michigan fans. Personally, I don't care. I don't give a shit if they went to the University of Michigan. It's about who they're playing for on Sunday, not who they used to play yeah. for on Saturday. So yeah. I don't care. I, I've I've cheered for Braylon Edwards. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I've I've cheered for Jabril Peppers when we had him. So I, mm-hmm. Donovan Peoples Jones, if he works out, I don't know what his uh, actual. Uh, I guess development's going to be because he's still a, a fairly raw person. He has some issues getting separation. Um, I think right now, special teams players, uh, if he can give me that for the first couple of years of his career, I'll be fairly ha- fairly happy. I, I'm I'm project the thing. The thing about it is now you have the addition of Austin Hooper. You still have Njoku, who, in my opinion, is very he's he's not the greatest catcher in the world. I don't it, think he's going to get a lot of attention at all this year, to be all honest. But then you still have OBJ. Um, Jarvis Landry, obviously, and the two running backs that that round out that that monstrous six skill positions. I think Donovan Peoples Jones becomes the the third best wide receiver on the Cleveland Browns um, next year. I think this year he eclipses 450, 500 yards and, and has a couple different breakout games and probably eclipses four to five touchdowns this year. I think he. I think you guys got a really good steal there. I think I honestly think the the lack of quarterback play at Michigan plus the lack of Play calling was was all just set up for a disaster for Peoples Jones, and I think he's going to be great in the NFL. That's that's fair. Uh, I think you're you're um, a little bit higher on the yards only because of the the offense that the offensive scheme that they're running. Um, yeah, that's true. It, I don't know the scheme. The Remind, it's I'm, Kevin I'm Stefanski. Oh my gosh, that's right. That's so right. it's it's going to be two tight ends. It's going to be. You know, not not it's not going to be a lot of four wide sets out there. So in the right. field time, he's going to see uh, two hundred and fifty yards, maybe. Uh, I expect him to be a uh, returner. Um, you know, but I don't expect much, and he's going to be behind. Uh, you know, the enigma that is Rashard Higgins. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, like that. Like I said, they brought him back. What, uh, bold prediction. Bold prediction. Write this down. Make sure we save this. So next year or next time I come on, we can talk about it. Peoples Jones finishes the year with five touchdowns, three hundred plus yards. Is this more than Rashard Higgins? Yards, no. Touchdowns, yes. Okay. Um, 
you also mentioned David Njoku. David Njoku stinks, okay? He stinks. Um, he's, he's, he's not good at catching the ball in traffic. It's and, he, and he can't block. So what what is it, what is he doing that makes him a tight end? So well, when he gets really wide open and no one around him for 10 yards, he, he still dropped the football. athletic, you know? <laughs> he caught those two touchdowns at the end of the year. I don't even know. Was it two years ago, I guess, maybe? Um, I don't know. They were both, like, physically just gifted, talented touchdowns. And it was like, dang, Njoku's going to be a beast. And that was about it. I mean, I mean, I've I've gone back and forth with people on Njoku so many times, and it's just like the dude stinks. Okay, there's a reason they drafted Austin Hooper, or not drafted, signed Austin Hooper, made him the highest paid tight end. There's a reason they drafted Harrison Bryant, who won the John Mackey Award in college. Mm -hmm. It's it's not to make Njoku's job feel more secure. It's Mm -hmm. to push him out at some point. (laughs) Which is a bummer for fantasy because now there goes Njoku and Austin Hooper because they get Harrison Bryant because Njoku is still there almost like isn't top 10 tight end relevant in my opinion at this point I'd rather have his uh predecessor in Hayden Hurst in Atlanta yeah Hayden Hurst will probably be you know probably be uh fine this year you know but no one really knows what he's going to do I guess just because he was in Baltimore we don't really know what he is Right. Um, is he Max Williams or is he Mark Andrews? You know. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, the uh, the the safest player to to draft fantasy wise uh, in the passing game for the Browns is Jarvis Landry. Uh, the the dude just catches the ball. <clears throat> yeah, there's a reason why he has a higher ADP right now. I agree 100 percent with that. Um, is it is it OBJ's year though? Is OBJ is this is this the year? But the big and before that, before you even answer that, let me even ask this. Is Baker going to learn how to throw more than one touchdown a game? No. Like, I'm pretty sure, what was it, 15 or 14 of the games last year he scored through one or less touchdowns? Give me your opinion of Baker Mayfield. Uh, I want to, I'm curious because my, my opinion is fairly low, so. His his Hulu commercials are top notch. <laughs> uh, top notch. The fire alarm one, great. That's That's just excellent television right there. Um, Baker, dude, I want him to be great because I love the the fire. I do love the fire that was in him in college um, and that I liked to, in his rookie year. Um, I didn't watch as much Browns as I probably should have, probably because they were scoring no more than 10 points a game because Baker couldn't score a touchdown, just kind of like my Lions in the back end. I wasn't paying attention to them either. The fact of the matter is, like, the Browns were tough. So I don't I don't know if he still had that fire last year. I don't know if it was Freddie Kitchens. I don't know if it was Baker being more invested in his future um, and taking less risks maybe um, and trying to be more of an NFL quarterback because he knows that all he's got to do is last two years and be somewhat mediocre and he'll get a big paycheck in, in a couple years. Three more years, I guess, really. Um I, I don't know. I I, 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 I want to root for him. I don't think he's Super Bowl quarterback material. I think he can be playoff quarterback material. I don't think he'll ever be a 5,000-yard quarterback, but I think he can surpass 4,000 yards many, many times in his, in his NFL career. Um, there's just like so many pros and so many cons, in my opinion. I, like, I think he's just going to be that run-of-the-mill between six and ten and ten and six quarterback for the next ten years and may make one or two playoff wins and one playoff run kind of situation. Okay, just... so uh, basically Case Keenum with a bad attitude. Got it. Yeah, yeah, Case Keenum <laughs> but like, uh, with a bad attitude, with a, like a diva, you know? A little bit, like basically Case Keenum mixed with Johnny Manziel. Exactly. Uh, you know, trust me, uh, you put that out into the into the world of Brown's Twitter and they'll come at you, but I don't care because uh, <laughs> that's what he is. Uh, there's a reason they signed Case Keenum specifically to back him up. And the um, Yeah, side yeah. tangent, Case Keenum is one of my favorite quarterbacks and my absolute favorite backup quarterback in the NFL right now. I love him. I think Give Case Keenum, that's what I'm saying, give Case Keenum, just to give him the Vikings, you give him a good run game, you have Kareem Hunt, you have um, Nick Chubb, good blocking, or, well, Austin, who, good tight ends, I was going to say good blocking tight ends, but I'll just go with good tight ends, um, you, good wide receivers on the side, Case Keenum could easily get the Browns 12-4, and 11-5, and 5 and a playoff run. Easily, in my opinion. I absolutely agree, and you know what, no, who's not doing that, it's the guy wearing number six. Um, <laughs> no, poor Baker. Yep. Uh, 
that's just this just reality is the way reality of the situation with him and it's it, Case Keenum his contract is three years and that's not an accident because right if, if Baker was to shit the bed this year um they would decline his option making him a free agent after year four and then they would draft a rookie which would also coincidentally be the last year of Keenum's three year deal man if Baker Mayfield doesn't work out. And doesn't get an extension, hey, please. I wouldn't be surprised. Are you kidding me? This is this is my groundhog what? day. Is is them just it's drafting exactly, new quarterback? Exactly. So like, what what does that? So it's Tim Couch, obviously. Um, we would add Baker Mayfield. I'm trying to think. Do they have any other first first picks or no? No, Are Baker those... Mayfield was the was the first one since Tim Couch Tim to be taken first overall. But they've they've taken several other guys in the first round. Yes, obviously we've seen uh, um, Brady yeah. Quinn, Brandon Whedon, Johnny Manziel. Yep, Johnny Manziel. Yep. Mm-hmm. They tried yes. their luck in the second round with Deshaun Kaiser. That didn't right. work. Tried to tried their luck with getting the old guys, Jake Delhomme. Yep. Mm-hmm. No, I, I mean the Browns. Uh, the Browns quarterback. It's just like it's the same thing with like the Lions coaches. It, it's the Browns. Are like you just man, we're we're both on the wrong side of things, but you just root for them. You're just like man. Like, come on! One of the teams, one of, either the Browns or the Lions, have to just somewhat be successful. The NFL needs it, or there's going to be an uproar. There's going to be a, a riot from these these teams that that the referees do everything they can to make sure they don't win. It seems like, and I'm not saying that that's how it's working, but it just being on this side of things. Like, I don't, I, I know the Browns have gone through their their fair share of referees screwing them over games, but like the Lions, it's it's nationally tough actually publicized how bad all these calls are and i guess you know forgive me i don't know are the browns do you guys go through just as much referee turmoil as the lions do oh well for one um there was a famous incident uh a long time ago referenced as bottlegate which has uh, since spawned a website referred to as bottlegate.com um the browns got screwed it was against the jaguars and um they went back and to review a play after Tim Couch spiked the ball. And they said that the previous play was not a first down. So everybody in the stands just threw a whole bunch of bottles out of the field. Oh. <laughs> yes. Okay. I love it. So that, that's... The dog bound. <laughs> yeah, so it, it's... It was a 15-10 to 10 loss to the, the Jacksonville Jaguars. But they could have won that game. They did not. Uh, the game was initially suspended... Or just ended early, and then uh, they had to bring everyone back onto the field um, after the premature ending. But, I mean, that's just one of many, sure. you know, things. I mean, the, with the Lions, it's not necessarily, with the Browns, not necessarily as publicized, because it's not a, a landmark moment like Calvin Johnson's actual catch against the Bears, or the non-pass interference call against the Cowboys. Because mm. the Browns are never good to be in that situation. Um, <laughs> okay. okay. So, I, I mean, to conclude, then my 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 original statement for this was that if the NFL does everything they can to keep the Browns, to keep the Lions as as the bottom feeders, there's gonna be like I've, you've just seen it like in in the world and life, like you've seen you you keep these people down and you keep pushing them down. There's an upbringing, like there is something that's going to come out and, and like strike everything. And basically what we need is we just need a Brown Super Bowl. We need a Lions Super Bowl. Once either of those two happens, we know like the other team, whomever it is that gets that first Super Bowl, the other team, it's almost like the Eagles getting that Super Bowl. It's like they can smell it like, OK, it's, we're getting close. It's no longer the Patriots every single year, you know, or the Packers dominating every year. These quarterbacks are getting it, 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 there's there's hope. There's there's hope in the air right now, a new I, hope. I mean, I no, I guess in a perfect world, I'd be I'm you know on board with you, but I mean, they they let the Browns move once. We we lost our football team for three years, and yeah, what did you what, who, what? So me and my 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 good buddy here, we we're talking before our show because uh, you know we were, knew we were coming on a Brown show. I knew I was coming on a Brown show, uh, so I was we were gonna ask, uh, and and I don't know how old you were, so I don't know if you were going like alive a and a, a football fan while this was happening, but. If so, or if not, they had a family. What did you guys do? Did you become Bengals fan? Like, was that disgusting? Did you stay with the Browns and go to become Ravens fans? Did you just say, screw the NFL? Did you go, like, become Packer fans or Cowboy fans? Because they were doing good at that time. So, I was only seven years old at the time. Um, I was living in Michigan. Uh, So, I mean, 
we didn't see much Browns games to begin with. It living in Michigan, okay. you know, you know, stuff like Sunday Ticket wasn't, you know, either it wasn't available or or wasn't a thing yet. Um, right. So we just, I just uh, at the time I was just like, oh, Barry Sanders is a good player. I'll root for Barry Sanders. You know <laughs> hey, what I mean? That's fine by me, brother. I was right there with you. So let me let me tell you, no Browns fan transferred to the Baltimore Ravens. Nobody also so. transferred yeah. to the Cincinnati Bengals because one person is responsible for both of those franchises existing, and that would be Art Modell. Because mm-hmm. Art Modell fired Paul Brown, mm-hmm. and Paul Brown was like, the hell with you, I'm going to go start my own team, and they're going to look almost exactly like your team down in Cincinnati. <laughs> he used the same shade of orange on purpose, and the the original Bengals uniform or helmets were orange with a stripe down the middle with word Bengals on the side. Okay, <laughs> you know. Then Art Modell took the team, moved him to Baltimore. So Art Modell being just a a, a terrible person <laughs> is the reason why there are two other teams <laughs> that exist in the NFL today. That is hilarious. Dropping knowledge and knowing is half the battle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so at the time I was just like, okay, you know, Barry Sanders is awesome. He's fun. Oh, look, Brett Favre's in this commercial. I root for Brett Favre. Sorry, but that's just how it was. <laughs> yeah, hey, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. I was the biggest Kerry Collins and Tiki Barber fan one year because they played the Baltimore Ravens in the in the Super Bowl. Um, I, well then, so, okay, so my question to that is, are your parents or, or, or family members or anyone that you know of, like, a Browns fan? Like, were they a fa- fan throughout that time? Or were you just kind of the, the you know, you paved the way to the, for the Browns to become a Browns fan? Oh, my, my dad's been a Browns fan since, uh, you know, he was a little kid. And so was his brothers and, you know, everyone like that. So we're, the Browns fandom still exists. Uh, it, it just, it was put on pause for a moment. When the team came back, everybody was excited that they were back. And then you got Tim Couch. And then Courtney Brown. <laughs> Courtney did, Brown. Did, oh, do, do you know Courtney Brown's nickname? No. The Quiet Storm. Yes. It, Wasn't it was, Courtney Brown the second pick? Didn't you guys have first pick and second pick that year? No, it was first pick in 99. First pick in 2000 was Courtney Brown. Oh, that's The, what the that Quiet was. Storm stayed quiet. Let's put it that way. Um, uh, man, he was supposed to be so good. And wasn't it like the next year Javon Curse got drafted to the Titans and just wrecked the league, the freak? Yeah, yeah, and we Good got Gerard Warren. What? <laughs> we got Gerard Warren. Oh, the guard, dude! I used to have a, I used to have his card, man. I remember having his his player card, and I loved it. I do thought you, he was gonna be great. Oh, do you know Gerard Warren's uh, nickname? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Big money. <laughs> yeah, man, he should have been playing while Johnny Manziel was on the team. <sighs> but it, a this, lot of money. <laughs> oh man, it it was just. Yeah, hey, believe me, man. I know, I know how, I know how the draft heartbreak goes. Believe me, we drafted Terry Fair instead of Randy Moss, Eric Ebron right before Aaron Donald, Joey Harrington, Mike Williams, Roy Williams, and the list goes on. I'm right there with you, brother. That's what I'm saying, man. It's so tough. We, the, we're the true fans, man. Of someone who can sit through 30 plus years of of heartache, you know, one playoff. How many playoff appearances for the Browns? Zero. Uh, uh, one since '99. Um, when was it? What, two. 2002. It was 02, so it was Couch? Uh, it was the Couch Holcomb year. So oh. so it was it was the year that it was uh, it was split between Tim Couch and Kelly oh, Holcomb. Kelly Holcomb. Oh, my God. I do remember who that is. Old Eagle, I believe. Philadelphia that, Eagle before. That season also was the – I don't know if you are familiar. Uh, looks like he was an Eagle after – uh, the oh, Browns, yeah. by the way. He was Colts, then Browns, Bills, Eagles, Vikings. Colts, then that's what I also had his card, yes. Yep. Oh, he also started off in the Buccaneers. Missed that part. But the week one was the infamous Dwayne Run helmet throw game, where he threw his helmet when the ball was the game was still happening, which resulted in Martin Anderson kicking a game-winning field goal, with a, resulting in a 40-39 to 39 loss to oh, the Kansas City Chiefs. Remember. Martin Anderson, dude. That motherfucker played 20 years. Dude. Him <laughs> and Gary, dude. They were killers. Um, the Kelly, but obviously the the best Browns team since '99 didn't even make the playoffs, and poor Derek Anderson. Oh my God! I thought that that team was gonna make the playoffs. That I, team was good. That team was a good team. They got screwed out of the playoffs. They got. I bet they could have made. I bet they could have won a game in the playoffs if not two. 
I thought I thought Derek Anderson was on. He was feeling it, dude. Everything was just going right, uh, mojo wise for them. Uh, Who was the running back? That wasn't Peyton Hillis, was it? No, this was Jamal Lewis. This is like yes. one of the last Post years Jamal Lewis was effective. Jamal Lewis. Jamal Lewis was the first ever trade I did in fantasy football. The year he broke out for 2,000 yards, I traded for him. I traded away, I believe, Torrey Holt um, and got Jamal Jamal Lewis for the Ravens. And he broke out for 2,000 yards, and it was a great year. Yeah, uh, you know, Jamal Lewis was, was good for his uh, short period and – uh, with the Browns after was, Braille, you know, was Edwards on that team? I'm trying to think of who was on this team. It was 06, wasn't it? This is 07. So we we had uh, we had Derek Anderson. Uh, this is when Brady Quinn was a rookie and didn't play uh, really much of anything. Uh, Jamal Lewis, Josh Cribbs, Kellen Winslow Jr., Braylon Edwards, mm-hmm. Joe Juravicious. Uh, yes. Oh, what a stacked team, dude. Winslow Jr. Joe J. Ravicious, the the ex Buck dude running that slot. Oh my gosh, man! And who are the other? You said you said the receivers were Braylon and who? Joe J. Oh, Ravicious. And then you said Josh Cribbs, obviously the league star, the star of the league, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know they they had a very um, underrated fullback named uh, Lawrence Vickers, who was a really he was really good. It's just to me, he's a fullback, so no one really cared. <laughs> Now you know. What is it? Something like that. <laughs> it's something like that. <laughs> uh, but they, they had a they had a, a good team. It's just yeah, couldn't Screwed. couldn't make it to the end. Um, uh, funny. Um, I have to check the actual date on this, but funny Jamal Lewis story for you here. Um, when I was younger, every year me and uh, my family would go out to go out to eat for my birthday. And this game was three days before my birthday. So they're playing, the Browns are playing the Ravens. So we went on a Sunday, went to Benihana, right? Ooh, love it. All right. So we're at, we're at the Benihana in Novi, Michigan, or Northville, or whatever, whatever area that one is. It's it's that weird border to spot in, in Michigan there. But mm-hmm. we go there. Um, that game's actually televised. That was, a, that was a very rare occasion, right? And... <laughs> Jamal Lewis proceeds to break the single game rushing record. Yes, dude. He's 295 yards. 295? 295? 298. It was AP who put up 298. 295. Uh, Adrian Peterson is 296 by one yard. Six. That's what it was. Okay. 295. I had him on my fantasy team. And I I remember, I remember to a T vividly sitting at my dad's house. You didn't. This was before, like you said, Sunday. Say before Red Zone. Kids listening to this are like, "What is that? What do you mean before Red Zone?" <laughs> oh, man, how technology has advanced. I wish I, had, I wish I had Red Zone when I was a kid. But I had to sit there and watch ESP, like watch ESPN, because watching the Lions game as, and this was like what? Oh, this is two thousand three. Three, yeah. So I was twelve years old, and 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 I, as much as a Lions fan as I was. I was really heavily in fantasy football at that point. I got to play with my dad. It was so much fun. So I was I was way more invested. I would watch ESPN and watch these four people. I don't remember who they are now. Just chat about the games, but they won't give you highlights until like the games are at halftime or the game was over. So you would just watch the bottom ticker and you would wait and you would wait because mom would be on the computer. So you couldn't be on the computer. You couldn't keep refreshing. So you'd just wait for that ticker. And you'd be like, oh, it went from 7 to 13. Like, who scored this touchdown? And then sometimes it would come up. Sometimes it wouldn't. The Jamal Lewis, though, every time that ticker came up, it was an extra 30 yards and another touchdown. It was a great, great day. I remember that vividly. That's hilarious. Uh, on that particular day, the Green Bay Packers defeated the Detroit Lions 31-6 to at Lambeau Field. Probably why I was not watching the Lions game. <laughs> Probably why I said, you know, ESPN might be better for this Sunday. <laughs> now, now back to the Lions, because um, we took that little Browns diversion. Yeah, there we for did. A I'll talk about every team. I, I'm, I'm, I know we want you guys. You know, everyone, everyone want to listen doesn't want to listen about the Lions. They want to hear about the Browns. Those were my thoughts. <laughs> but yeah, let's go back to the Lions. So back to the Lions. Um, I know Wouldn't... that uh, it seems like. Matthew Stafford's legacy is going to be uh, complicated because he's someone who is capable of throwing for five thousand yards in a season, but overall his his per, you know win loss record 
is not necessarily going to be reflective of someone who's going to be towards the top of the passing yards when he retires. So it's just, how do you think he's going to be looked upon once he retires and over uh, in his time in a Lions uniform? Uh, if, like, if, his, if his career ended right now, he'd go down as a, a local hero. Lions fans lately the last couple of years because of a broken back and then another broken back you've you've started to see a lot more outrage you you have for sure but uh had his like if his if he gets like ends right now in a year or two people would would lose that rate and they would just remember the 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 good things Stafford did the good natured person he is and whatnot however he is the only quarterback to be with the team for 10 plus years and never win a playoff game I'm pretty sure that's in the entire NFL in history. I could be wrong on that. Please don't quote me, but it's something like that. He's like, he he's 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 I don't know. There's a lot to say. His stats are great. Everyone loves him, but his stats became became a lot of garbage time stats. He had 5,000 yards uh, one year, but a lot of it was garbage time. He he made Calvin Johnson give the most receiving yards in one year. But that was right after a lockout. Not a lot of teams got a lot of film on him in their first five games. Calvin Johnson caught like 150 yards a game for those first five or six games. Matthew Stafford is a great quarterback. If you go back and watch film against the Chiefs, another another loss because it's rare to find a win for Alliance. Uh, but but he threw some of the most incredible throws any NFL player has ever thrown in the life, in the history of the NFL. If Patrick Mahomes threw some of the sidearm passes that Matthew Stafford, four, four touchdowns in between three or four defenders, ESPN would have melted. Mm-hmm. It would have melted. It would have been over. ESPN would have shut down. It would have been all over. It would have been the left-handed throw times 10. But it's, it wasn't Patrick Mahomes. It was Matthew Stafford. And honestly, being a Matthew Stafford fan, we see these sidearm throws. These le- We saw Matthew Stafford do two left-handed throws before Pat Mahomes was even a sparkle in his dad, a dad's eye. We... We, we are just used to, like, Matthew Stafford is a great quarterback. The thing about it is you, you almost start to, to argue his clutchness. But then he, he went out in 2014, 15, 16, and had nine comeback wins. Like, he, he showed that he was clutch. So now it really gets down to I, I'm, I'm the last guy who wants to give excuses. You can sit out here and you, you talk to any Lions fan who likes Matthew Stafford and they'll tell you, well, it's because the coaching's awful, the rushing team's often awful, the offensive line is awful, the defense has been awful, our, our front office is awful, our fans are awful, our parking is awful, the, the limos are awful, the, they'll come up, the, 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 the hot tub is awful. Like Every excuse in the book for Matthew Stafford, and that's great. I love Matthew Stafford. I wish nothing but the best for him. I hope he wins the Super Bowl this year. He probably will. I do think, though, that I was an advocate for Tua. And I, I, I think it's rare you have an opportunity to draft a quarterback like Tua. Um, Matthew Stafford has had two broken backs. Uh, broken back, not two different. Tua has had a broken back for two years in a row now. Again, as I mentioned or way earlier in this podcast, that is not something you come back from. That is not just like a Tommy John surgery and you just work it out for 18 months and you're good to go. This is a broken back. This is one more hit and, and you, you don't come back in again. And then we got Chase Daniel running our show. I, I didn't think there would have been a problem with Tua, but everything and everyone is all in on Matthew Stafford via the Detroit Lions. Not so much the fans, not so much the radio, not so much the the radio, the media out here. But the Lions are in on Matthew Stafford, which means I'm fully in on Matthew Stafford. Super Bowl bound. <laughs> it's funny uh, that you edited with that. There's a. <laughs> There's a, a gimmick that goes on here in, in Cleveland whenever the Browns do something exciting where they started off with Super Bowl Super <laughs> Browns. <laughs> That's awesome. So, you know, it's it's kind of funny that you edited it with that right there. It's just, uh, I think Stafford's, I think he'll be one of the better uh, quarterbacks in, in Lions history, but I, I think overall his legacy will be complicated only because of the lack of postseason success and um, what has been fairly often what are considered empty yards. You know what I yes, mean? Yes, absolutely, man. Uh, they, they call him Stad, uh, what is it, uh, Pad Stafford over here. Yeah, I've heard that. I've also heard the inverse of that name too, so. 
exactly. So, I mean, but but I'll tell you this right now. He wins one division and one playoff game. Statue. <laughs> That's I mean, a guarantee. That's a guarantee. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, does, it, does, it doesn't really take a lot. I mean... The even... bar is low. <laughs> when, you're, when your best quarterback before him or Bobby Lane is Charlie Batch or, or Eric Kramer or Scott Mitchell or John Kitna, when those are your best quarterbacks, I tried to do a list of the best four quarterbacks in the Lions history and which one is the best quarterback. I couldn't come up with number three. I couldn't come up with number three. So literally, we got, we got, we got Stafford and Bobby Lane. And that's it. And that's it. There is not a third good quarterback ever. Ever. Eric Kramer got us our only playoff win. He did pretty good in that game. Scott Mitchell had like the mo- like the most 4,000 yards as a Lion thrower until Matthew Stafford. Charlie Batch has two Super Bowl rings. I mean, they weren't with the Lions, but shit, no other quarterback can say that. So he's got to be mentioned. You know what I mean? Uh, was he on the team when they won in Detroit? I think that guy gives him some bonus points. Wait, what? Was Charlie Batch on the Steelers when he won in, when the Steelers won in Detroit? That's got to give him absolutely. some. Uh, that's got to give him some bonus points. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, he that's was. He, he absolutely needs to be up there. And then obviously John Kitna had one of the best years before uh, getting injured and turning us to the first zero sixteen team. Luckily, yeah. though, sorry to bring it up, not the only ones. Uh, My I, God, I was happy. I'm not. I, I, I'm. I'm sorry, but I was happy as a as a Lions fan. I needed another zero sixteen team. See, it, it's interesting that you brought that. Uh, particular season up because I remember when it was happening there <clears throat> for some reason it seemed like there, the Lions fans were divided on this uh, because some didn't want there to be another 0-16 team <laughs> we're but, the worst and we want to own the worst <laughs> I, I, I think that was the logic and there was a lot that were like yeah we want another 0-16 team to happen so we can stop being the only 0-16 team um, those, are the, those are the same people out right now that are protesting the Capitol without masks on <laughs> so you know it was it was very interesting I mean you, it'll be the first 0-16 team Lions the Browns are the first team to go 0-16 and proceed to have a parade Okay, because that happened. Were were you see? I almost feel like at that point, like a, a Lions fan saying that they were mad the Bears, uh, the Bears, the Browns went zero sixteen is almost like a Browns fan saying they're mad that they got one win the second year. It's like, no, nah, man, I wanted to go zero thirty two. That'd have been awesome. <laughs> like, what? No, dude, what are you talking about? I'll tell you what, real quick story. I don't know how much time we have left, but um, uh, I, uh, woo, I was doing great. I was betting on football, and I was doing great in the year they went 1-15. Um, what year was that? It was 17? Um, winning a lot of money. Oh, I had yeah. a great time. What a great year. I bought some new cameras, bought a bunch of new stuff. I had a great time. Was very heavily invested in the Chargers beating the Browns that game. Oh, and no. It, 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 and it came down to the missed kick, and uh, – I was angry. I was a bummer. I lost a good amount of money that day. It, it, it whoo! I was kind of mad at the Browns. I'm not gonna lie. It got. It took me a long time to get over it. That was 2016. They went 16. one, one in 15. They went 0 and 16 in 2016. Um, I remember that game because uh, I only saw the end of it because I was on my way back from a wedding, mm-hmm. and, and so. I still can't believe they won that game. And Kaiser, right? <laughs> this was no, this was uh Robert Griffin the third. Yes. I'm all about the I actually knew that and I just wanted you to say that. Uh, <laughs> I'm just joking. Seven he got sacked seven times in this game. <laughs> RG three got sacked seven times in this game. Um Philip Rivers, on the other hand, got sacked zero times. I um, believe that exact same year, too. Um, I be, I'll cut you off real quick. I know you're about to go on some more stats. I'm sorry. But that fine. exact same year, Kaiser, I believe, had the Browns beating the Lions going into the fourth quarter by like 10 points. Oh. And we were almost the first team that they beat, um, that you guys beat. And, and it, Matt Stafford ended up coming back and winning the game. But Funny enough, uh, the I'll, I'll go into the the 2017-0-16 season in that particular game with uh, Deshaun Kaiser in a second. Oh, was that the 16? Okay, it was 16. Yeah. yeah. So, um, 
our, our kicker was Cody Parkey, who, oh, yeah. made, who made the field goals there. Uh, he's had a uh, a not so great history since then. Um, he's most, Bears, right? Bears yeah. kicker. Yeah, he started in Philly. He was on the Browns for a year. The Miami, the Bears with the double doink. He had the double doink. Yeah, that's then what he I was in Tennessee. I think he's pretty much done now. But that game against the Lions in in 2016, that or 2017 infuriated me so much because why why because of fucking Hugh Jackson that's why okay (laughs) (laughs) okay the Lions could not stop the rushing attack in that game the Lions could not stop the Browns on the ground then Hugh Jackson says "Eh, let's pass the ball and (laughs) absolutely just it drove me insane you know the the game was tied going to the fourth quarter, but before that, they had a, a relatively solid grip on the game, or at least that's how it yeah. felt. Yeah. And there, there was the there was the the quarterback sneak call bound by like the goal line, which made absolutely no sense. And some people were like, "Well, he shouldn't have called the quarterback sneak." I'm like, "The coach shouldn't give the player the ability to call an audible." <laughs> okay, if he's going to do that crap. Right. You don't you don't let that happen. Mm-hmm. This was one of the few games they actually gave Duke Johnson the football on the ground, and he, he got fifty four yards rushing. So you know, Duke, he's the best running back to never get any chances. Can I tell you something about Duke Johnson? Yeah, I don't think he's that good. Really? I mean, I don't think he's like elite or anything like that. But I think he's better than uh, than it seems like the opportunities he gets. I don't know, maybe maybe not between the tackles, but it seems like he should be still getting a lot more pass-catching balls. Like, he, in Houston, it seemed like, okay, we're finally, we're going to see some Duke Johnson, Duke Johnson, and then they go get David Johnson, another pass-catching running back, and it's just like, man, poor Duke. I, I he think, can't get any, any I think the thing with Duke Johnson is that the first couple years in Cleveland, he was the best weapon they had. So that's not saying a lot because those teams were bad. And so right. he was at least providing some sort of hope, some sort of, hey, look, this guy, was, he's young, he's a running back, he's, he's quick, he's shifty, he can, he can go out for passes, he can be a threat. But it's just like once the talent level around him was elevated, it's like, yeah, uh, he's pretty average. You know, <laughs> you know he's, he's pretty much uh, not as special as we thought he was. That's just, <laughs> just how I feel. But, I mean, yeah. it. You can, I guess, feel differently, but it's not like he was uh, some superstar in Houston when he finally got the chance. I do think it's funny that uh, they went out and also got Carlos Hyde, so they <laughs> they brought that duo back together. Yeah, they loved it. They were like, dang, Browns didn't know what they were missing out on. And then I was like, well, actually, no. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> so, so, you know... <laughs> I just, I really don't. I, I think he, I think Duke Johnson's fine, but I don't think he's got. He'll ever be some sort of uh, the person that everyone thought that he could have been. I, I think what we're seeing from Duke Johnson is like this. This is it. You know, you, yeah. he averages twenty five yards a game rushing. He averages twenty five yards a game in the receiving game. So, I see what you're saying. I I do agree. I think what we got out of Duke Johnson is what you're going to get out of him, and that's that's the end all be all. Yeah, I, even when even with the the Texans uh, getting rid of all of Deshaun Watson's good receiving options, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just I don't think he's uh, Duke Johnson's ever going to I guess grow in, in any sort of role. I mean, granted, the coaches he hasn't had have been good, but he's had multiple coaches and no one's figured out how to use him. Yeah, I, I, I get some of the guys are bad, but at some point, some of it falls back on the player a little bit. Yep, that's a hundred percent true. I've seen it too many times in the NFL. Yeah, I mean it's it's not the sometimes it's not always the players, sometimes it's the coaches, sometimes it's just a, a little mix of both. I think that's where they're at, and I'm sure you've seen that a fair share of times with the Lions. <laughs> yes, absolutely. 
uh, I, I think that's a that's a good spot to end on right there uh, with a little bit of Duke Johnson talk. A little Duke yeah. Johnson. Uh, yeah, that's a great way to go out. Duke Johnson, all right, time to wrap it up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting the, the wrap it up box right here when we start talking <laughs> about Duke up. Johnson. Wrap it up. <laughs>